are live in three, two, one, roll the footage. Welcome back, everybody, to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm Simon Severino, your host. And my guest today is an entrepreneur who has started, run, grown, turned around, purchased, and sold a bunch of companies. Currently, he's the CEO of an early-stage biotech company in the neurodegeneration space. And he's one of the founders of a life science angel investor group, the Mid-Atlantic Bio Angels, M-A-B-A. Welcome, everybody. Yaniv Znir. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for having me. So cool to have you here. And we will talk both continuous improvement and constant change and many more things. So I'm excited. So what are you currently creating? So I'm currently working on my uh, company. Um, my uh, It's called Native State Therapeutics. Uh, we're in uh, slow stages of very, very early stages of doing some very early research, very exciting research. Um, we're trying to get it funded and doing some research, but I, I think we're, we're, we're doing well. Uh, also uh, working on creating and growing and improving uh, my uh, life science angel investor group, which you mentioned, MABA, Mid-Atlantic Bio Angels, and we invest in therapeutics, devices, diagnostics. Mostly I like to call it sort of the deep space of the life science, the life sciences. Um, and uh, this is a, a group that uh, was, we've created more than eight years ago and uh, is continuously evolving. So those are the things I'm working on mostly. Beautiful. And so what were some recent recent um, moments in your research where that were exciting to you? So, you know, in, in research, from, I believe you, that you want to try to, um, if you do fail, you want to fail early <laughs> and cheap. And, you know, uh, so far we haven't failed. So, <laughs> so that's good. Uh, we've been doing some research. We've had some assumptions. We uh, have been able to move forward with those. And so far, everything that we, uh, that we predicted uh, is working. So I'm very, very happy about that. Uh, you never know, especially in the life sciences. It's a it's a high risk, um, you know, big failure area. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. But so far, it's so good. We are all about uh, how can we improve testing our assumptions. So right now in our programs, we have this X Y Z hypothesis way that we learn from Google and we write down everything numeric. Try to not to test more than three days to make it very small. So we are also we always curious. How do successful people um, validate, invalidate their assumptions? Do you have a specific process that you use? Yeah, I mean, in general, you know, when I when you run a company, you you believe in uh, testing and creating as many metrics as possible, and constantly testing, and then uh, and I think being honest with yourself about what the results are, and being honest with the people around you what those results are. And then um, testing again, and to see the results that you get, are they contextual, you know, and, and are they meaningful in terms of what you're getting? And maybe you need to look at other numbers, or maybe you need to, to position things in a different way. Uh, but I think you constantly have to uh, put, uh, put out their assumptions and things that you're testing and constantly go back. And, you know, it is a process. And that's one of the things sort of you, when you started talking about process of continuous improvement, I think it is, it's always a process. It's not static. 
Um, and I think we, we fail if we think that things are static. We should also always recognize the fact that, the, that you know, a business is a live thing and you honor it by, by realizing that it's an, a live thing that continues to evolve. And you have to, it's your job sort of as the CEO, as the person who's running it, to figure out where it wants to evolve to, where your, your customers are taking it, where your, your employees are taking it, um, what, the, what the winds of change are, how they're blowing. Um, and you have to continuously to, to evolve it and you have to always be, you know, putting together metrics, checking against them and then getting the feedback and, and moving forward and implementing. You are in a very exciting space. The deep tech, health tech space is a really exciting one. I have invested myself in Illumina and in CRISPR. I, I watch the space. I'm excited. I'm <laughs> about the potential there. And I want to uh, hear so much more from you. But first, one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. So what excites you about the, the MedTech space? I, the, one of the advantages of the life science field is if you're successful, by definition, you're saving people's lives you're imp or you're improving people's lives. So that's always a, a superb thing to be involved with. Um, the other thing that I really like about the space is, you know, the it, it tends to um, self-select. And, and I sort of need to explain that. You know, there are many areas where the barrier to entry, uh, excuse me, every once in a while, my eyes uh, over over tear. Uh, so there are many areas where the barriers to entry are very low, and you end up with a lot of information, a lot of fluff. I don't know, for lack of a better word. But when you deal with life sciences, it's it requires so much knowledge to be involved in to start a company. You know, you can't start a life science company with enough beer and, and pizza over a weekend. Um, and that self-selection process applies to the entrepreneurs as well as the investors and other people that you deal with in, in this industry. And so there is a, a sort of a built-in inherent level of maturity in the people that you deal with um, that you sort of you start already from a different level um, in terms of entrepreneurship and discussion of, of business and discussion of, of, of opportunities, that, uh, that that's that's wonderful, you know. So I, I find myself, I think I'm, I feel very lucky and very fortunate to be able to to spend the time, you know, the, with entrepreneurs that I think are wonderful, but also my colleagues in, at MABA are, are a group of wonderful individuals who are, not only so incredibly accomplished and smart, but they're also very, very nice, you know, and and, uh, and so it, it's really a wonderful environment to be talking about investments and, and the future of the life sciences. So I think it's a, it's a great place to be in. Yeah, because you spend not just your business uh, time, but your lifetime with them. So it's really important. Yes. I am, I am excited to ask you, who do you nominate for the strategy award of all these entrepreneurs that you see? Who is somebody who, when everybody zigs, this person is zagging, but from your perspective, this person is doing the right thing? 
So I was thinking about about that, and I, I don't know if I can think of anybody contemporary, but I actually wanted to honor um, Tony Tony C, who's just who just died a couple of weeks ago. Um, one of the things that he did always stuck with me as being very clever, where he offered people money to leave the company. And as somebody who you know who's run companies, and 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 when you think about the uh, what you do in terms of hiring people and how important it is, and and the kind of mark that you put on you leave on companies, in terms of the character, um, you know, that that offer to say if you understand that you don't belong in this culture and this culture isn't for you and you're not happy, here is money to leave and do us both a favor. I think it's a it's a brilliant countercultural move, um, and and I want to uh, you know I want to honor him with that, with that and honor his memory, but uh, and also say I think it's a it's a great move. Absolutely. And I'm super curious. What are the three books that shaped you most? So I, I read that that question when you sent it to me, and I really had a hard time with that because. You know, especially as as you and I talk about continuous change and continuous improvement, whatever it is, different books affect you at different times in your life differently. I mean, it's really, you know, as as an entrepreneur, as and as a mentor, I find myself giving advice to people, and I think the, the advice that I give is probably the same advice as their other mentors are giving them at some point or another. But then, for some reason whether it's the day or the or the context of the experience of whatever's happening in their life something it sticks it clicks you know so it really is what you see when that sort of makes a difference for you i mean there there are books that i read when i was a kid that i wouldn't necessarily think that they changed my life but everything that you read deposits something in you and and you are a different person to have for having read it you know uh, I mean, obviously, there there are books like *The Power of Now* that uh, that uh, Eckhart Tolle and uh, you know *Man's Search for Meaning* for Viktor Frankl. Uh, but I've read other books before that, and and I can't say that that I've waited all my life to change. <laughs> and I didn't do anything until I read Eckhart Tolle's you know book. You know, I was I was ready for it, and it resonated with me because of wherever I was at that time in my life. You know. Um, so it's 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 all contextual. It's whatever whatever hits you when the iron happens to be hot. Your CEO tip is we should both be improving constantly, but also radically changing. Can you unpack that? I, I think that you have to recognize that everything is a dynamic structure, and um, and support that structure and and help the business grow and evolve. The interesting thing though is I remember when I did, I, I ran businesses with larger groups of employees, as much as I wanted to embrace change, the one thing I realized and I learned is that I, I, the word I can't use is change. It scares people radically. And I had to learn how to not, how to affect change without saying the word change which is really curious kind of thing because here I am, I just want to embrace it. Yeah, let's change, let's break everything and start new and, and do all these things. And, and everybody around me is scared. Yeah. Um, and, and I can understand completely for very good reasons. I don't blame anyone for that. But so 
Um, so I, I believe that you know, as, as a company, you have to embrace the fact that things do change. And if you get ahead of it, and if you recognize it, you can affect the kind of change that you want, or you can steer the ship in the direction that you think it should be going in. Um, uh, but at the same time, the people that you're leading, you have to be careful that they feel comfortable with, with, with that, with the pace and the direction and everything else that, that you, you don't get too far ahead of them sometimes, you know, that you're still, that you're, you're not in a little dinghy ahead of the ship somehow. And, and you're trying to, to carry the ship behind you that everybody can, can change together. And yet you're embracing the natural evolution of the company and are able to be, you know, replacing yourself before anybody else replaces you because something is going to replace you at some point, you know, and that you're constantly moving forward. It's funny because people love they change, they move forward, but they don't love to be changed. Yes. Um, I'm curious about your experiences, how, how to facilitate that in a way that everybody can be the driver of change. So I think the language that you use is very important. And I think that, you know, there's the concept of leading from behind where you might have the vision of where you think it's going, but perhaps you ask questions and get people to answer them. And those answers are where you want the organization to change to, you know? So if it becomes their idea, if, it, if they realize through their own understanding that this is where the, the ship should be sailing to, and you're just steering it from the back, but they're really leading it, um, then, it then you can have the organization or as much of it move forward. Um, you know, it's much easier to run a small company when it's just you and a couple of other people, and you, know, you, can, you can sort of hash it out, but as it grows and it becomes bigger, it's more difficult to get that buy-in. And, and I think it's easier if you, uh, if you have people uh, come up with, that, with those ideas or let them bake it on their own, and then you know you support that movement forward through what they've realized, and so it's much easier than you just pushing ahead, you know, and and hoping that everybody will follow behind you. You know, sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> I tried. Do you, know, do you know the book "Turn the Ship Around"? I do not know that book. No. That's a wonderful book by General McChrystal, and so he had the he had he, he was one of the best, um, I guess, Navy. Yes. Uh, sergeants, and he was appointed the worst submarine. And of course he does it, because that's what you do in the military. You say, of course, how can I serve? And then, so he went to this team, and they the motivation was low. What we would call the culture and performance would, was very low over months. And he changed the complete culture with just doing two things. That's why I love the book. He, he never talks change in the yeah. book. And, but he turns the ship around, really, by, by doing two things. First, the reporting system. He's not the one asking for reports. He walks with them through every single piece of the submarine and says, okay, tell me what's the status and tell me what's your plan. I'm listening to your plan. Yes, empowering people. Yes, and the second thing, he had one structural intervention. Every sentence of this report must end with, I intend to. Yeah. 
So you cannot tell what's not wrong and then stop there. You can what's not working and stop there. You cannot tell, you cannot ask for permission or ask for, for whatever. You own that part of the ship. So yes. your sentence has to be, I intend to do da-da-da. And then it's your it's your part. And then of course your superior might intervene or might suggest something or might discuss with you, but you run first. Yes. And these two interventions over month, every day, turn the ship around. Yeah, I think I, that's, a, that's a great idea. That's, I mean, it's, it's a great example. Uh, you know, and when you, when you asked some, some of the questions ahead of the interview, it was difficult to pick only the one thing to focus on. But I think what you brought out here, the point of culture, the most important thing that a CEO or, or person running a company is responsible for is culture. And I think that most people don't realize it. And the, and the, the further the culture or the organization or the organization takes upon itself the culture and personality of the leader. And the funny thing is it takes the bad habits first <laughs> and, and then only the, the good habits, you know, but it takes all of them. And, and you can see how the organization is functioning as a, as a function of the, of the personality of the leader. And I, I always try to, to, when I talk to, to companies that I help in my consulting part, I tell people, you know, if you look, ever see those shows where, there's the, uh, where they try to train the dogs and the dogs are misbehaving, ultimately the dog trainer trains the owners. And it's very similar to a company that's misbehaving or that's not working in a certain way. You usually end up having to train or to change the way that the CEO interacts with a company to change the culture down because the com people in the company know very quickly they realize what they can get away with, what they can do, what's the minimal amount of work they have to do, what will you accept, won't you, what, what, what will you not accept, you know, and that's how the, fun how the company begins to function from that point and on. And so the example you gave was wonderful because it created personal accountability you know, and empowered people, first of all, told them that what they're saying is important and, and meaningful and somebody's listening to them, but also gave them the power to affect that change, which is the most important thing. I don't have a dog. I was thinking about my kids and how much <laughs> they shaped me. <laughs> my first punch was 50-50, we shape each other, but there might be a point there. They might be creating their father, creating their mother, and uh, pushing us to grow much more than we can educate them or, or stand in the way, basically bringing forms in where where there is actually no need for forms, and uh, and protecting where there is protection needed. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you end up reliving things that you've gone through your own childhood and haven't quite finished. You end up do, going through it again with your kids. With every kid again, I thought, okay, it's done now. But then new kid again, all, every single phase of the infancy. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's improvement, continuous improvement, but also change. Can you share a little bit about your work? Who works with you? What, how, how do you work? So... 
you know, in, in the non-pandemic times, um, I have my small biotech company that I have a partner there and but we're doing early research. So at times, like right now, we have uh, we have a tech who's doing some work for us at uh, one of the national labs. Um, and then I have a consulting business where I basically work with mostly CEOs, entrepreneurs, usually early stage companies, but also with advanced companies on many of the things that I've done in the past, you know, uh, running businesses, improving strategy, et cetera. Um, and that's at those times, I'm different places, different times, different companies. And often I'm, I, I work as a sounding board with, with companies and CEOs. When, when you want to change strategy, the last thing you want to do, you want to is talk to your employees first. You want to bake it internally and you need to talk to somebody about it. So that's usually when I come in and people, we have discussions about things like that. And then uh, I spend a lot of time also um, running our angel investor group. We have, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a large group, 50, 50 plus members. Uh, within that, we have a steering committee that sort of helps us uh, with like a board. So uh, we run a lot of things by, by them and get their input in terms of how the organization should shape and change, you know, and, and react to market conditions and what we should do. Um, so between all those things, uh, you know, you stay pretty busy. Beautiful. Where can people stay in touch with you, read more about you? Um, you can, uh, I guess you could uh, look at my, uh, my consulting uh, website with bluecactusconsulting.com. Uh, um, also, uh, the, our work in terms of our angel investor group, you could look at uh, bioangels.net. Uh, and then you can see our activities, the company we invest in, and how to get in, uh, involved with the group. We also have a, we have a sidecar fund. It's, it's interesting. One of the things that we've, we're doing in our group is that our members, it, the only way they can become and stay members is by being active. Um, and it creates it for a very dynamic organization, but people have to show up to meetings, they have to participate in diligence, they have to have to voice their opinions, you know, we want to hear what you have to say, that's why you're there. Um, and But there are a whole bunch of people who want to be able to invest in the area that we're investing in, because our members are coming in from mostly from within the industry. There's a lot of expertise, but there are people who either don't have the time or the expertise, or they live too far away, etc. So we created a sidecar funds for people to index our investments. It's sort of it's a passive fund that people could um, could invest. Could basically, if we take the chance on something after doing our own diligence and putting our own money into it, it allows people sort of passively to index our activities. So that's another one of the things that that uh, that I manage. So the sidecar fund also has a, uh, a website as well, which you can reach through the BioAngels site as well. So those are the, probably the best ways to reach me. Beautiful. What did you recently change your mind about? I had a hard time with that question. I don't know. I mean, I from it's. I don't. I don't know if if big changes happen like in suddenly. Whoops! I make a this big left turn. I think it's a it's a, a series of a lot of little turns that constantly keep happening, and so I don't recognize them necessarily as a big change that happened. I just think that. Uh, I recognize that everything in, I'm involved with is an evolutionary process, and I'm always looking to see how things are, are changing and just follow it or enable it. So I don't know if I've changed my mind dramatically by any one thing, 
but I change my mind all the time about everything, you know, as I evolve and try to see where things are going and, and try to stay with it or ahead of it or try to guide it. Beautiful. Is there anything I forgot to ask? No, I think I think it's a good it's, it's a great discussion. You know, I, I, uh, I we talked about some important things which were change and also I think the culture of the, of the company and and how how you affect it as, as and how the company takes upon itself the personality of the, of the leader. Uh, I think those are, are important points and I know that you, you want to have points that CEOs and leaders could take away from from a discussion if they spend the time listening to, to a podcast that they take something away from it. And I think it's, it's important for people to recognize, to see the, 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 the personality of the business in the business, you know, their own personality in the business and how, it, how it, everything affects that way. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the show. Come back soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for inviting me. Bye-bye. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.